Well, good morning, church family. So wonderful to be gathered together with you. So wonderful to worship together and to uh, pursue, pursue Jesus together. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. And uh, in this season, we have much to be thankful for, uh, despite many challenges that we are facing. And uh, so we want to welcome you as you get settled in and, and have your, your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be continuing on today in our series that we have entitled Simple Christmas uh, as we're taking our time slowly through this first uh, chapter in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, over the first couple of weeks, we talked about Zechariah uh, receiving the gift of silence in uh, that first Christmas. We saw Mary last week showing us the, the gift of humility and obedience, overcoming fear in doubt. And uh, now we're actually going to take uh, an interesting next step as these two storylines that Luke has begun to lay out now overlap uh, for the first time in the Gospel of Luke. And so we see, you know, God's doing some incredible things. He's bringing John into the world through an old and barren couple. He's bringing Jesus into the world uh, through an unwed uh, virgin named Mary and, and her betrothed. So God is doing sort of incredible things in this season, uh, and it's a pretty remarkable story to tell. And so, as we look at Luke chapter 1 today, um, let me just tell you uh, my heart for you, my, my prayer for you as you go through this message. Uh, this is such, um, such a powerful time for us to worship well. And that's the title of the message, that, that we would worship well uh, as, as we are asking the Holy Spirit to quicken things in your heart and spirit, which is so needed right now, especially because probably, uh, like me, uh, you're, you're feeling the sense of, of busyness and, and sort of the tension and, and the crunch of this season. Our prayer is that you would be able to embrace the gift of silence, the gift of confession, and now today, the gift of worship. So I don't know what state you find yourself in this morning. Uh, you may be just simply ruminating on the fact that, that 2020, as it is coming toward its conclusion, has just felt like a big warm dumpster fire uh, in a lot of ways. It's had disappointments, it's had discouragement, it's had pain on almost every level, probably that more than most of us can remember. But this is a season for us to be reminded that there is hope in the Advent season. Even in our darkest moments, the Advent promise is that God is with us. So it is true that our pain and our suffering, our sickness, our sadness, reminds us that we are passing through from the temporary to the eternal. So we're moving from that which is broken and can be shaken toward that which is permanent, toward that which is stable. So worship well uh, becomes a powerful uh, and proper goal for us in this season. So let's take a look together at Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 39, which is where we left off last week. Uh, Luke 1, 39 and following says this, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled 
with the Holy Spirit. What an awesome intersection of these two stories, and that's actually where we're going to begin. Today we're going to talk about this intersection, we're going to talk about the declaration, we're going to do those points relatively quickly so that we can get to our third point, which is the gift of worship, which is where we want to see you also engage today. So first, the the intersection. Here we have two women. Uh, They are related to one another. Neither of them should be pregnant, but both of them are as a sign of God's miraculous work and the plan of salvation that he is working out. And so if you were to uh, summarize this intersection, we would say Mary greets, the baby leaps, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The intersection of their stories is powerful because it actually gives us a moment to pause and to reflect and see what God is doing, not just in one person, but in both of these as their families are intersecting in this time. Uh, This, of course, is one of the great faith-building gifts that God is at work in your life, and God is at work in my life, and God is at work in others' lives, and in this tapestry uh, of things that He is sovereignly doing is being knit together. What a great faith-building gift that God gives us. Uh, part of the reason that I say this is not just from the obvious of what we're seeing in the Scripture, but re- remember that when Mary was being brought into this story, and when her angelic visit happened, and she's being told, you're favored uh, among women, you, you, you've got a special task that God has for you, and she asks the legitimate question, how is this going to happen? Part of the answer to her question was this, don't be surprised at what God is doing because God is already at work in your relative Elizabeth's old age. She's said to be barren, unable. Guess what? She's in her sixth month of pregnancy. And so it was the work that God was doing in Elizabeth's life that is fueling the faith that God is doing now in Mary's life, and as we're going to see here, vice versa, for sure. Uh, So this is one of the great gifts of God. It is the intersection of our faith story. So so maybe take a moment and even reflect on the fact, right now, God wants to be working in your life. We trust that He is. God wants to be working in my life. Now we have this intersection, and and you will find, if you haven't found this to be true yet, you, you will find this to be true, that the relationships that you have that are commonly marked by the work of God will become some of the tightest and most dear relationships that you forge in this life. That's what makes the body of Christ so special. And even in a season like this where we're, we're spread out and we're not able to do all of the things that we want to do, we still are able to celebrate the tapestry that God is working. My life, your life, and, and others' lives, and uh, that's a very special thing. So we're going we're gonna to get back to Elizabeth because we sort of left her in, in almost mid-sentence here. Pick up in verse 42 of Luke chapter 1. And it says, And she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, what, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her 
from the Lord. Again, just a powerful, you, you can hear the emotion as these two are not only glad to see each other, but, but celebrating the work that God is doing in each of them. What a powerful scene. Um, so now we, we come to the second point, which is the declaration. Look, look at these things that Elizabeth, now filled with the Holy Spirit, she begins to speak prophetically over this circumstance. And she says, I think, some very notable things. She says, first of all, blessed are you. So she says to Mary, her younger relative, blessed are you. And, and I want you to just reflect on this, that there is a power in speaking blessing. In fact, that's going to be the entire subject of next week's message, the power that we have in speaking blessing. And so filled with the Spirit of God, uh, Elizabeth begins to speak over Mary, and she speaks blessing to her. Blessed are you. Um, I, I love this, that the very next thing that Elizabeth says, I mean, just think about how quickly, as the Holy Spirit is, is filling her and, and using her life, think how quickly she is making faith steps in this conversation because this is what she says next. She says, the mother of my Lord has come to me. Uh, now that's obviously a great honor for Mary, but think about what Elizabeth is saying about the baby that Mary is carrying that she has not obviously even met yet. Elizabeth is already revering. Elizabeth is already praising the unborn Messiah. What incredible faith. What a dynamic interplay that we see among the generations. Uh, in fact, this is a season, this is a time of year that we, we typically really enjoy that interplay of the, the dynamics between the generations. We've got grandparents that want to see their grandkids and uh, moms and dads that want to see their moms and dads and, and vice versa. And so it's an exciting time of year. A lot of that family stuff is put on hold, but we see a, a dynamic interplay of generations even now. Uh, I saw something that kind of made me chuckle this, uh, this last week. It was a graph depicting uh, the enjoyment of a nap as age increases. And so, you know, kids don't want to take naps. Little kids, they always kind of fight that uh, generally. Uh, the older you get, the more you're able to appreciate a good nap. So there's some dynamic interplay of generations. But I love the interplay that we're seeing here. Uh, we, we see Elizabeth being able to say, Blessed is the mother of my Lord, already uh, recognizing with great faith uh, the work that God is doing in bringing the Messiah in through their family. And then finally, uh, Elizabeth says this. She says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promise to her. And of course, we're reminded what, what was the promise that Mary received, that no word of the Lord is going to fail. The Lord is going to fulfill His promise. God speaks a promise. We are called to respond and to believe in faith. And so Elizabeth is saying in no uncertain terms, make no mistake what is happening here among us in this beautiful interplay, this beautiful tapestry of work that God is doing in our lives. This is a God thing. And again, we, we are able to pause for just a moment and recognize in this Advent season, amidst the busyness, amidst the uncertainty, that God is at work. And so church family, just be, be encouraged in this season, this is a God thing that we are celebrating. This brings us to, to the next section uh, of what we call the Magnificat, Mary's beautiful hymn 
of praise. And it begins in verse 46, and it, and it goes like this. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty is, has done great things for me, and holy is His name. I want to I spend the remainder of our time, maybe the bulk of this message, talking about this last point, which is the gift of worship. We see that Mary breaks into you know, this beautiful song of praise, and, and we're going to we're going to read the following verses here in just a few moments, but I want you to see kind of the personal nature of worship. And, and I think we've got some things to learn here. I, I would say it this way. I, I don't know if you could find a better picture of worship than these glorious words that come from the mother of our Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And you know, when I, when I begin to realize that I am a living, breathing, moving, created being designed to, to amplify and to magnify, to lift up, to exalt, then this statement begins to make a lot of sense. In fact, I, I think I can make the argument to you that within the space of about an hour, Someone who doesn't even know you very well would be able to take a look at your life and begin to answer the question, what does your life magnify? I mean, literally, we are, we are walking advertisements for the things that we love. We cheer for our favorite sports teams. Uh, we drive certain cars over others. Uh, the clothes that you wear, the career that you pursue, how you spend your free time, how you spend your extra money, all of these kind of things are telling a story of your life's priority. And I absolutely love and I'm absolutely challenged by the beginning of Mary's hymn because this is what she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. What does your life magnify? What does your life amplify? What does your life exalt? What does your life give credence to? What does your life draw attention to? And I love that Mary is coming into this song from what I'm calling today a predetermined posture of praise. When you understand that your life is designed to exalt something and you have predetermined, my life is going to be about exalting and magnifying the person of Jesus Christ, to magnify the Lord. That is a powerful position that is a predetermination that is going to see you through all kinds of difficulties, even like the challenges of 2020. So here's the prayer. Let the Holy Spirit rekindle. Let the Holy Spirit reanimate your personal commitment to worship. When that is strong, you can say with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. And you, I, let me tell you a little secret. When you find yourself in that place and the Holy Spirit is stirring you and filling you to that place, you will never, ever 
be bored in worship again. You'll never be bored in corporate worship again. And I know there's been times, man, I've, I've sat through some services that you feel like, man, this is a real snoozer, or, or maybe the, the music isn't what you like, or it's not the style you prefer, or whatever, and you kind of find yourself sort of tuning out. But you know, all of that, when I do that, all of that is indicative of the, of the fact that my personal worship isn't strong enough. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this, he, and this is a very definitive uh, statement. He says, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Because heaven is all about experiencing the manifest presence of God and engaging in that with the worship that God deserves. So, so I, I want to I focus in on this for just a few moments. I think this is so important for us if we are going to live up to the title of this message, which is we want to worship well. There is an absolute need for personal worship to be strong. And you're going to see as I go through a couple of points right here, I'm not really even talking about the songs that you sing or the, the style that you prefer. I'm talking about my heart connecting to the heart of the Father. That is the beauty of worship. I don't know the way in which Mary sang this song. I don't know the style. I don't know the preference. I don't even know if she could sing well. But what I know and what I see here is that her heart is connecting to the heart of her Heavenly Father. And when we understand that as our call to worship, our call to magnify the Lord, we begin to realize that is not a calling that is bound by time or place. This is actually really good news in the midst of a pan pandemic. If you're, if you're agreeing with that, you can say amen where you are. Uh, this worship is not bound by time or place. This, this worship and this heart of worship is not bound by style or preference. You don't need a drum kit. You don't need an organ. You don't need anything to connect your heart to the heart of the Lord. In fact, here, here's the beauty. This, this, this understanding of worship is not reduced to music at all, but it is a whole life kind of posture. You literally can worship God before you get out of bed in the morning. I literally, I was up early this morning. Uh, I've, I've not been sleeping in late at all. We've been having some busy days and I oftentimes find myself up an hour before my alarm is going to go off. So it may be four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. And this morning I was lying in bed and I just said, you know what? I'm going to embrace uh, the gift of silence right now. I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to be still and I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to allow my heart to connect to the heart of my Heavenly Father. What a gift. What a gift. We, we miss it a lot of the time because we're too busy and we're running around and we're getting distracted, but we have this wonderful gift. Now, I want to say this as well. Uh, this gift of worship and even Mary's ability to model this for us so beautifully, the gap would be far too wide for my heart to connect to the heart of my Heavenly Father except for the reality of Advent that we're celebrating. He has come near to us. That is what is so special about Christmas. God is with us. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh, God with skin on. He has bridged the gap and given us the privilege of responding in worship. 
this is significant. This is big. Now, I want to make one other observation with you about Mary's hymn. We see that it moves from kind of a sense of, of me to we. And, and the me is not a self-centered me. The me is an understanding, and, and I think we could understand it this way, that worship is never going to make sense until your personal heart actually engages with it. You'll be, in the, you'll be on the outside looking in. You'll be kind of sulking in the, on, in the, on the sidelines until your heart is drawn in to a personal experience of worship. So we see that. I mean, all of the things that Mary is saying here in the first part of this hymn so beautifully, my soul magnifies the Lord. My, my, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has done great things for me. So she's acknowledging the goodness of God on a personal level. But, but me shifts to we. Look at verse 50. Uh, and His mercy is for those who fear Him, for all of those who fear Him from generation to generation. What a powerful picture. Again, as we see the mother of our Lord making this proclamation of who God is. So the first few verses is personal. It's about me. The next verse is corporate. It's about we, all who fear Him from generation to generation. And then as we respond in worship, we actually go from, from me to we, but then worship always goes back to, to Him, to He. Uh, it, is a, it is a theocentric grounding in worship, and that's exactly what we see happening in Mary's hymn here. We respond in worship based on the things that God has revealed to us about Himself. So that in worship, in its truest sense, we are agreeing with God's revelation of who He is and of what He has done and what He desires to do. That's how our hearts begin to become aligned with His in worship. And again, the Magnificat guides us very well here. For in worship, we're responding to what God has revealed to do. Look, look what Mary is, is drawing attention to. Verse 51 and 52. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of His heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. She's simply saying, God, You have revealed Yourself as the strong one, and I'm worshiping You as the strong one. Now, I wonder if Mary would come back to these words of her own beautiful worship when a few months later she has given birth in a lowly stable, almost certainly in view of the Herodium. I don't know if you know what that is, but the Herodium is, was the largest palatial complex in the Roman world at that time, bearing the name of Herod. We see her saying, God has, has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud, the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. She will see this carried out in true form. I don't know if you know this, but the, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he recognized the, the revolutionary nature of Mary's song. Uh, before he was ex executed, Bonhoeffer uh, was executed by the Nazis in, in 1933. In the Christmas season, he spoke these words. I want to share them with you. He says, The song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the wildest, and one might say even the most revolutionary Advent hymn 
ever sung. It is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary uh, whom we sometimes see in paintings. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard and strong and inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. So Mary is drawing into what has been revealed to her about the strength of God, and she in worship is returning that as praise to Him. Look at some of the other things that she notes, and then we'll do the same as we conclude the service with our own gift of worship. Uh, Mary says, he's, he's our provider. Verse 53, He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. He's our merciful Savior. Verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. Verse 55, He's our promise keeper. He spoke things to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You see, what Mary is doing here and modeling for us so beautifully is something that we don't do naturally. And some of us probably would say, I don't really do this at all. The phrase is that she is coming into the presence of God, her her heart attaching to the heart of her Heavenly Father. She's recognizing what God has done, and then she's simply speaking back to God in agreement what He has already revealed to her. This is a phrase that we call ministering to the presence of God. This is not about simply singing your favorite song to Him. This is about engaging as you were designed to magnify the Lord, coming into His presence and then ministering to that presence. You actually say, I am here to be a blessing to God. And we're comfortable the other way around. God's here to bless me. But actually part of your highest calling is that you are called to be a minister to the presence of God. You have a royal priesthood calling. And so if you just want to to, uh, orient yourself around this, because I I guarantee for some of you, you're going to say, I didn't really even know that was part of my calling. I didn't really even think of that as part of the, the gift of worship. But when you look at what is happening even now in heaven, you see a third of the angels who are assigned with the task of ministering to the presence of God. You see the Old Testament priests going into the Holy of Holies and ministering to the presence of God. In fact, wasn't that what Zechariah was doing when God met him with the angelic pronouncement uh, about the birth of John? This is the highest calling of every believer. Because now you are the temple of Most Holy God. So when you engage in worship, whatever style you do it in, and whether you can carry a tune well or not, really does not matter. You engage your heart with the heart of the Heavenly Father and you begin to minister in His presence. I want to ask us as we conclude this service today to think about the gift of worship. I've asked each week for you to consider a different gift. The first week, the gift of silence that allows us to quiet our hearts. Last week, we talked about the gift of of confession, which brings healing and brings freedom. Well, today, I want to ask us to engage with this gift of worship. To say, Lord, would you teach me what it means for my soul 
to magnify you? Would, it teach, would you teach me what it means for my spirit to rejoice in God, my Savior? So the first is a simple just act of the will. If you, if you would, right where you are, and, and I, I love to, to think about us as a church, we're sort of scattered about in different places. We're in homes. Maybe this is a good time for to, to gather in prayer in your family and to simply say, Lord, teach me what it means for my soul to magnify you. And then we're going to just agree in prayer with this, uh, with this little prayer. We're going to agree with the things that Mary has brought our attention to in this scripture today. And so uh, I'm going to ask you if you would pray with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this season. We thank you for this time even now where we can lean in to this gift of worship. And God, some of us, our hearts just need to be rekindled that, that flame has sort of gotten a little bit cold. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would rekindle worship in your people in a beautiful and a powerful way today. So, Lord, we make the statement together as a posture of praise before you, predetermined, and we are determining now to say, Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. Church, take a moment right now to think about this statement. God says, uh, you have, we say, God, you have been my strength. You have been the strength in my seasons of weakness. Can you reflect on a season that God's strength has shown through in your weakness? And can you return praise to Him even now for that reality? You have been Jehovah Jireh, my provider has the lord provided for you in this season or in recent seasons can we return praise to him for the work that he has done god you have been merciful to me aren't you glad that god has not treated us as our sins deserve but has has lavished on us the rich blessings of his mercy Allow your heart to connect to His heart as you give Him praise and worship Him for His mercy in your life. God, you have declared your promises to me and every word that you have said will be fulfilled. Would you hear the worshipful prayers of your people who are saying, God, we are taking you at your word. And as you wait on the Lord in prayer, I want to give you just a few moments as you're still before Him and as you're reflecting on your heart connecting to His heart and your heart magnifying your good God. And I would, hear, I would ask you to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I heard a powerful testimony from a man by the name of Bob Swerge this week. In this powerful story ended with the whisper of God over his life in this way, and I think it's appropriate for us. I'm not finished with you. This is not over. Continue to abide in my love. Continue to live in my word. Give me your heart, and I will finish the story that I've started with your life. 
for I love you, I am for you, and I am with you. God, I am certain that Mary, even after giving this beautiful pronouncement, would have to live out the reality and the challenge of taking you at your word. And so, Lord, as you continue to reveal yourself to us in this season, I pray that the response of our hearts would be very quick to jump in with worship to agree with you and what you have revealed to us. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your promises. We celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen.